Hello, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley, and good day as we have another South Texas Border Sports podcast. Don't forget, fans, you can find our podcast via Google Podcasts, via Apple iTunes, and on Spotify, and of course, our home on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Today's guest is from UTRGV. He is a professor, but aside from being a professor, this guy likes to study the minds, play the mind games, adjust the mind games. He is Eduardo Arambula. Eduardo, welcome. How are you today? Pretty good, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No, no, no. Thank you for coming on, Eduardo. Got to get to this right away, you know. I've been following your career. You've uh, done a lot of international traveling. You are here in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, I, I got to start it off with this question. What, what are you doing with these international trips? What have you learned and how are you applying them here? Well, part of the international trips, it's a, a series of conferences. Some of them I've just attended. Some of them I actually participated in. And uh, every conference that you go to, every class that you go to, every speaker that you see, you always take something with you. You always learn something from everybody. Of course, you got to be open to it, but, you know, they've been, they've been great things. Um, I went to a conference in Phoenix, Arizona back in 2016. I went to uh, the World Congress in Sports Psychology in Sevilla, Spain in 2017. I went to a conference in Atlas. I participated with Atlas in 2018. Uh, that was great. I was actually in it. And uh, I've done a couple other trips and I've had the opportunity to work, uh, accomplish one of my goals, was, which was to work with a professional soccer team. Um, I cannot say the name, but, you know, that was a great experience. Uh, you know, you've worked, you work with a professional soccer team. What country was this in? In Mexico? Mexico. It was professional soccer, Liga MX, uh, Mexico. Wow. And what was that environment like to just be there with hanging out with the first team, hanging out with the U-20s, the U-17s? Uh, how was that environment like? And what what did you take from there? Well, the, the first thing is, uh, you, you know, you, you go out there uh, and, and you look for certain things. You, you ask certain people to work with you, collaborate with you. And then you get asked if you want to go participate. You know, you want to go uh, collaborate uh, for a week and uh, the answer is absolutely yes and you know you know the opportunity is looming when you start your career something and you have really high goals you know you you start to progress you start to get, to get better you start to to sharpen your craft and then you see uh, you see opportunities opening up and then you know you know the dream is going to come a reality so when they asked me do you want to do a session with the first team you know I was like oh here it is. Absolutely. And I was prepared. I knew exactly what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I had to consult with the other psychologist and, you know, I got the green light and it was a, it was a great session. It was a great session. And uh, it's, it's surreal. It's, it's a dream come true. It's surreal. You're there in the stadium. You're having the session with the team in the stadium. Uh, there was one, a former Olympic gold medalist with Mexico in London, 2012. He was part of the team. You know, there's uh, a lot of good players. And like I said, it's a, it's a dream come true. And you, Little by little, you see things happening, and and you know you start taking uh, you start taking these uh, victories and and growing from them, and you also take the defeats and and grow even more from them, and it finally happened. And I know it'll come again. 
I, I don't know which team, but I don't know. I, I'm sure it'll, it'll come again. Now, before we we move on to subjects, I, I just wanted to ask you, how, how did this idea of becoming a sports psychologist come through? I mean, I know we've had many uh, conversations even before this podcast started, but how, right. how did this uh, become a just sort of a, a reality and norm for you? Well, you know, it all started, you know, obviously every story has the beginning. My, my the, the beginning of my journey, it's 2002. So it's right before the World Cup in, in Korea, Japan. And there's this uh, documentary called uh, Mexico in the 20th Century, Mexico Siglo XX. And they make a small documentary on, on soccer in Mexico. And they talk about amateurs and how to make it to the pros. And in this documentary, there's a clip and they bring Dr. Octavio Rivas, may he rest in peace. And it says at the bottom, says psicologo del deporte says sports psychologist so you know i recorded that i still have the vhs if you ever want to see it i still have it um and that's where you know that's where i learned that sports psychology existed i was in high school at the time and i knew i wanted to study psychology but you know i didn't know what what came next after studying psychology if i would go into the workforce if i'm going to go get my master's you know i didn't know that and i saw he had sports psychology he said uh, at the bottom it says sports psychologist so Four years later, I'm, I'm already uh, halfway through my bachelor's and uh, I decide, you know what, I want my master's in. And I said, you know what, I want my master's in sports psychology. And then there was another event uh, in May 2006, right before the World Cup, uh, four years later, of course, United States plays Latvia in East Hartford, Connecticut. And it's, it's a send-off series. It's a bye-bye game before the World Cup. I actually attended that game. I flew to Connecticut to go see that game. And arriving to the stadium and seeing Boca Negra and Claudio Reina train before the team because they were going to play. They were just doing some exercises, you know. And then so you see Claudio Reina, you see Boca Negra train, and then the team comes out to to warm up to the song Don't Tread on Me. I'm sure you remember that song. Yes. It was a very special feeling. And, and you know, you, I saw Bruce Arena and Clint Dempsey on the, on the sideline, Glenn Muchmarinick, may he also rest in peace. And I told myself, all right, that's it. This is it. You know, I want to be on that side of the fence. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be somebody that works with the team. I want to be involved with the team. I belong on that side of the fence. And that was a day I decided, you know what, I'm going to get my master's in sports psychology and I'm going to pursue a career in sports because that's what I'm passionate about. Hmm. Very, very interesting. You, you pursue, you see everything happened in 2006. Uh, for, take, me, take me through a lot of these conferences that you've gone through. Uh, just seeing some of, some of your pictures on Facebook where you've gone to Swiss, the, visited a, the FIFA headquarters, you've done a boatload of international series. Talk about some of the more marquee ones that, you, that you've attended and that have led you to continue that push and that drive going forward. Well, uh, be before we get to Europe, uh, in, in Phoenix, Arizona, the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, that conference, it was, it was a world-class conference, as well as the other ones that I've attended. In there, I got to meet Ken Revisa. May he also rest in peace. Uh, he was a go-to guy in, in, in baseball for when it came to the mental game. Um, I got to see Diana Nyad. I got to see Diana and I speak and Diana and I, she's a swimmer that, you know, she wanted to swim from Cuba to Florida and she tried it several times until she was 64. She was able to do it. And, you know, she, she, she tells you, you know, at, at in your twenties and my twenties, I had the body, but in my sixties, I had the mind and, and her body was more deteriorated from 
you know, from, from age, from all those years of, of swimming. Uh, so it was, it was a great conference. It was, it was, it was a beautiful conference. And then a year later I go to Sevilla, Spain, and now I'm seeing, uh, many international sports psychologists. I got to meet, uh, Robert Schink. He's, uh, from, uh, from Canada and he works with some of the boxers that are promoted or, or if, if maybe he does not work anymore, but he was working with the boxers for 50 cents. I don't know if 50 cents still has boxers, but you know, that was great. I got to meet Alex Garcia Mas from Spain. I got to meet Hesina Brandao. She was a sports psychologist for Brazil from 2002 all the way to 2014. You know, I got to meet Marcelo Rofe from Spain. I got to meet the, my friends from Toluca, Mexico, which is Activa, which I'm now, now a member of Activa. So I got to meet, uh, I got to meet them. Oh, and by the way, you know, cool story. In August of that same year, I went to go visit them. And that's, uh, that's how I met my, my girlfriend. <laughs> So it's, it's, it was beautiful, you know, travel. I've always liked traveling. Well, since I started traveling since my early twenties. And uh, so, you know, in, in Europe, once the conference was over, I, I, I went to Tavira, Portugal, and I went to Switzerland. That was just for me. And once in Switzerland, I was like, I had to visit the headquarters of FIFA. And uh, for a long time, I've been interested in doing the FIFA master course. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but you know, I went to go talk to them and say, look, I exist. I'm in this part of the world. I, I took my professional presentation package and just for them to know me if one day I decide to apply um, and then in 2018 it was a work it was an international soccer conference by Atlas in sports psychology and I was one of the speakers I got to speak with a psychologist from Santos Laguna uh, Parra Maragón was a moderator she's a Olympic uh, sports psychologist from Mexico you know when Mexico won the gold medal she was a, their sports psychologist and also what was the beauty of it, you know, my favorite player of all time, Rafael Marquez, he was, he was the, the, the person who, who opened the conference. He was a keynote speaker that opened the conference. So it was a dream come true. You know, there was a, there was a, a, a few months ago or about a year ago, I posted a picture of, of me in Phoenix, Arizona, going to a Red Bulls versus Atlas game. And at that moment, you know, Rafa was playing for Red Bulls. And I'm pursuing my master's in sports psychology. You know, uh, eight years later, I was doing a conference with that same player that I went to go see. So my work is getting me closer to my dream. And it did, you know, it paid off last year. So that was, that was a beautiful conference as well. It was with Atlas and it was in, in, uh, in Guadalajara, Mexico. Now, some of, some of the other things that, that I've seen in your career, avid follower of Columbus Crew, you had a stint with them. Huh? How was that environment like with the crew, uh, with the with the ownership group, uh, working with them, working with the first team? How, how was that all alike? Well, working with the crew, it was it was it was all about uh, a new kind of a new tool being used in, in in psychology and sports psychology called growth mindset. A lot of people already have it, but it's a, it's definitely a way to see the world. So the thing with the crew, I was a student at UTPA, now known as UTRGV. So I wanted to, in, in fall of 2007, I started saving money because with the psychology club, I was going to go to Europe. We were going to go visit Sigmund Freud's off, uh, office and, you know, all these cool things related to psychology. And then uh, I, I told myself, what if I can do an internship with, the, with MLS? So I started to look for uh, job opportunities or internships for the summer. And I saw that... Um, Houston was available. Dallas was available, but I had been to Houston to see games. I had been to Frisco, Texas to take coaching courses. And I was like, no, I've been to those places. You know, I want to go to a place where it's, it's further. And I said, 
let's go, let's look, look for Columbus. Cause I, I've always liked the crews in South since MLS started. And sure enough, there was an opportunity. It was called Hispanic business development. And I had to promote the team with the Hispanic community. And I also had to sell tickets. So I decided to go my background in psychology, but I took it. So off I went. And once I was there, it was beautiful, but it was a little hard in the beginning because I'm not a salesperson. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I was lost overall. Well, let, let me, let me talk before I go to the end of the, that, uh, that, that uh, internship along the way, you know, I got adjusted. I got, I got, I got adjusted to that environment. I had, you know, contact with great professionals. I got to meet uh, Independiente. I got to work with Atletico Independiente from Argentina. I was a team liaison. And you know what's surreal? After picking up Independiente in the airport, I'm, I'm, I go back with them to the hotel because they're going to get their, their, their meal and then they're going to go to the rooms. So as we're getting the meals, I'm talking to the coaching staff and I start talking about, to them about the song Leon Santillan from Los Fabulosos Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. It's a famous song from Argentina. So I asked them what I asked them about Leon Santillan and I asked him, is Leon Santillan, was he a real character or is he just a character made up for the song? And then one of the coaches starts to sing the song. You know, it was amazing. I forgot about the question. You know, I was like, this is surreal. You know, someone from a coach from Argentina singing the song that, you know, one of the, my favorite songs growing up. So that was pretty awesome. And then West Ham comes over uh, after in the minute they went two weeks later, West Ham comes over and that year West Ham was going to have the, uh, they were going to have the all-star game with uh, against MLS in Toronto. So Craig Bellamy came over. Uh, Bo Morte was here. Uh, also Robert Green, Anton Ferdinand. And, and, you know, players that I was playing with on FIFA, I was sitting right next to them. On, the, on, on game day, I sat right next to Dean Ashton. And uh, I actually have his jersey here. So on the way to the game, we were talking and I told him, you know, what's amazing. I'm actually, before I came to this internship, I was playing with West Ham and my two forwards was Altidore and you, and now I'm sitting right next to you. This is so surreal, you know, but once again, when you talk about growth mindset, great things happen when you put yourself out there, when you push yourself, you go beyond your, your uh, comfort zone. It's all about going out of the comfort zone and you'll go, you'll grow tremendously. So after the internship, you know, I, I started to sell tickets. I, got to, I started to get the hang of it. I didn't like it enough to fall in love with, but it was a great experience. I also got to work soccer clinics with Guillermo Barros Esqueloto, Frankie Heda, Gino Padula, Alejandro Moreno, which now he's a, a, big, a big star in, on ESPN soccer. So it was, it was, it was an overall great experience. And, and, and that experience for me, the way I frame it now, it's, it was not that I w- my job was to sell tickets. My goal... My, my, my test was not to go, go sell tickets because I was not a sales guy. My, my goal, my, uh, the main experience, the point was to go out there and grow as a person and as a professional. And it was a great experience. So when I'm driving back from Columbus, I'm driving back to the, to the Valley after two months, two and a half months, you know, I, I feel like I can take on the world. I am not afraid of anything. I know, you know, how that, the song from New York, I know I can go anywhere and make it. That internship, even though ticket sales were not that hot, but the overall experience, passing that test, getting out of my comfort zone, you know, going through, you know, sometimes not having a lot to eat, maybe just tuna or, you know, those type of, those having those type of nights made me grow so much that I lost the fear for everything. I, I don't, you know, I'm not afraid of going anywhere and I know I'm going to make it anywhere I go. As I'm being joined by sports psychologist Eduardo Arambula, Eduardo, I got to continue, like, just 
the asking here. So you do the thing with Columbus. You you do your European tours. You end up here. You you end up back here in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, working for UTRGV. After all all that that's uh, that's been set in stone for you, what's what's been that transit? What's been that transition like for you, coming back from the outside? back into your home what's been the, the Rio Grande Valley uh, one, one, the, the biggest impact was when I went to Columbus uh, and I came back I saw a big difference in, in culture obviously when I went it was a cultural impact it was there were some cultural differences but I got used to a certain way of uh, maybe thinking and you come back to the valley and, and you know most people here in the valley think a certain way and you know and once you get an experience in professional soccer or, or any sports team you start to see that a lot of people they have opinions about sport and about coaching and about business operations that you have no idea what you're talking about and uh i used to be one of those but after columbus i learned that hey i've been on i've been behind the curtain now i know what goes on what goes on behind the curtain so my opinion i think it got a lot better that experience like i said made me grow as a professional and as a person but also you know when it came, when it comes to let's say professional culture, I started working with some some uh, organizations in terms of soccer. They weren't very professional, and I wanted to do things the right way, have a schedule, do this, do that, be on top of our game. And they would get they would get mad at me. They would get mad at me, and there's no, this is the way we do it right here, you know. And I was like, no, but we can do it better. We can be more efficient. We can do this. We can, uh, for example, for soccer practice, they would take one soccer ball, and I was like, this is ridiculous, you know. This is so unprofessional. It's just you don't even have to be a professional. You, you can you can take at least 10 soccer balls, you know, find a way. And I'm saying at least. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that was one of the, the biggest things after Columbus was the, was the professional culture. Um, it wasn't that strong. I'm sure today, from what I see, it's it's a lot stronger today than it, than it was back in 2008. That was my biggest problem, that after Columbus, I wanted to do things, you know, to that level, you know, a professional level. Yeah, I mean – for me myself, um, and, and I'm not afraid to share this experience. I'm not a real journalist, but I re I recluse to be called a fanboy because if if I got into this industry of be, of trying to practice journalism, to collect autographs, uh, take pictures, I definitely got in it for all the wrong reasons. And and not to sham anyone or any one organizations because I've worked on a lot of the wrong side uh, side of things when it comes to uh, the fr the front offices of, of minor league sports teams that that have flown by in here by night. I definitely understand the point where you're coming from from the uh, 2008 area and beyond. I mean. That's why I, right. I've been I've been privileged, and I'll use the word privileged because I know the sports entertainment can be taken away in a heartbeat. And I, I I've been privileged enough to cover the Vipers, the Toros, and the University. Okay, it's something that okay maybe I don't have the followers of let's say a big TV station or a big time radio station but at, at, at least there's that there there is that zone where there is someone that is invested to make sure that 
that in the era of fake news, there's someone out there that is putting in the work, putting in the effort to cover what needs to be covered. Right. Part of the reason why I opened what I opened, okay, it, 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 it believe me, it, it kind of took me, I want to say, a good two years to fully establish myself the way I wanted to be fully established. Have I had opportunities to open up something like a, re, a real sports live in Spanish? Yes. And have I fully dived into it? No, because it's like you said, the professionalism just isn't there. And I can name three people who have approached me, but for that same reason, I don't do it because the amount of effort and time that is needed and then to see very little of it at the very end, it just doesn't add up, which is why I prefer myself being an independent freelancer rather than wear a corporate uniform. It's, it's, two, it's two separate things that, I, that okay, if you, if you want to make that jump, that's, hey, congratulations. You know, now you, you're going to have to adhere to a certain, to, to a certain decree. Being a freelance, it's not, you can say whatever, whatever you want, but you just got to, you, you have to be educated in what you're going to say. Exactly. Now, Eduardo, I got to continue asking you. you. You've seen some of the local sports scene here. You've seen the university. You've worked for the university. You've seen the Vipers. You've seen the Toros. For you, in, in, in your opinion, being the sports psychologist, and now a, a lot of it is just, just very financially restricted, and I know you've, you've always been a, a passionate man about sports and that wants to see continuous growth and continuous success. And picking more, a little bit more on the Toro side, this year hasn't been their year. I, I've got to ask you, do you foresee changes forthcoming? Well, I, I think it's easy to say that when you have the, these type of results, if they continue over a certain amount of time, you probably will get, you know, changes as to what changes are going to happen. I don't know what changes do I think need to be need to happen. That you know, I, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I I don't I don't want to you know step on any toes, say things that I'm not supposed to in terms of. That's not my responsibility. Um, I just, you know, but I think it's very easy to say that if these results continue, you know, I'm sure there, there will be changes. That's all I can say. But that's just, you know, common sense. And hopefully things get better. You know, uh, the head coach for Todos, Herson, uh, he went to go talk to my class last year, and he's been one of the he's he's been one of the greatest speakers that I've had in 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 my classes. You know, he had amazing stories and he, he also went with the assistant coach and, you know, it was, it was great stories and, 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 and they, we really, we really liked them. So I appreciate that. Uh, in regards to the results, yes, this, it's been a, a bad year. And, and, you know, if this continues, you know, I'm, I'm sure like in any sports organization, when you have bad results for a long time, you know, there's, there's changes, you know, and that's just part of, part of the game. 
uh, you know, now I, I got to pick, I got to pick your brain a little bit uh, with uh, the teaching aspect as I'm being joined by sports psychologist Eduardo Arambula. Eduardo, yes, sir. UTRGV. You teach theory of soccer, about a mistake. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, let's just say I, if I were to ever return to school and let's just say I'm the innocent bystander kid that sits in the back of a classroom. And do you, do you like to pick on those kids that sit in the back of the classroom? How do you, how do you approach your classes? The, the way I approach my classes, uh, I, my, one of the best professors I ever had, Dr. Etheridge, criminal justice, UTPA, UTRGV. His method of teaching was he would get the book, he would walk in front of the room from wall to wall, and he, and he would, let's say, read the concept off the book, and then he would tell stories. Well, that's my style. You know, I don't like to sit in the podium. I don't like to sit in the in, just in the front all class long or, or reading PowerPoints off, off the screen all class long. I don't do that. I... I do have PowerPoints just in case they're needed, but I rarely use them. I like to get the book, you know, read the concept, explain what the book is saying, and then tell the personal story or something related to even if, even if it's a professional story. Um, you know, I, sometimes I use, you know, Floyd Mayweather or Tom Brady. It depends on what the concept they're talking about, and I'll tell them. And then I can further elaborate using uh, video. And as I'm, walking, as I'm walking, I look everybody, I try to look at everybody in the eye from time to time. And that's how that's one way to keep him uh, connected with you. And then, of course, you ask questions. And then uh, if I see it, this really happens. But if I see someone, let's say, on, on their phone, you know, I'll tell them to, to please put it away. I do tell my students that they need to take a call or they need to take an important text that's, let's say, job related or re regarding their kids. Just let me know. And, and, you know, as I'm talking, you can step outside. But just let me know. Just use communication. And let me know. I mean, just don't do it like that. Let me know if you're expecting an important text or call. So asking questions and obviously your teaching style. Uh, you want, it's like, it's like you got to wrap them. It's like you, you got to sell your product. You got to wrap them and, and uh, you got to, you got to bring them in and it's got to be interesting. Uh, so that's, that's the way I do it. And it's worked great for me. You know, I, I, I've had many students that have told me that I'm, they really like my style. And and, uh, and I'm trying to be humble because they, they said much better things, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, so it, it works for me. As I'm being joined by Eduardo Arambula, I got to ask you, man, I mean, you, you teach theory of soccer, COVID-19 struck everyone, hurt everyone in many, in many different ways and shapes and forms. How did it affect you per, uh, like personally that you were inside a classroom, uh, I can only imagine that part of your teaching method would be inside the classroom, out on the pitch, trying to just play uh, play a little bit of footy. How, how, how did that affect you? The classes, the, it affected the most are the activity classes. The classes where, let's say, weight training, basketball, racquetball, soccer, where you're out there playing soccer, uh, soccer, the activity class. You're playing soccer the entire, almost the entire semester. Theory of soccer is more of a classroom mm -hmm. type of class. Uh, we do go outside for a little bit and, you know, let's say do some, some tactical work or some exercises or structure of a training session, the proper training se session. Uh, the In theory of soccer, what affected me the most is the ability to connect in a, in a personal level, you know, with, you know, being there and, you know, let's say you see a joke in the class labs or you do this, you know, things that student, and students can bring up. 
because you can do it through Zoom and I think Zoom does a very good job to, you know, you can, you can still connect, but I, I still think that nothing beats, uh, nothing beats being there in the classroom. Uh, online classes, online, online uh, degrees, they work, they, you will learn, they're great. You know, nothing wrong against that, nothing wrong. I just think that being in class is just has an edge. Yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you this from a student uh, perspective back when I went to um, uh, South Texas College. You know, I never got used to the idea of online classes, and and I kept, and I kept harping up the storm with, uh, a common professor, in which is, I will say, for my bachelor's degree, I did have them for, a fair amount of percentage on my classes. It was the same professor, teaching different materials. I go look, I have no problem if you do like a hybrid model, like say you meet, Mondays. And then Wednesday, she get us all in in, in, in a chat room. I, I have no problem with that. But if you're going to make us go strictly online, then that's going to present qu uh, quite the challenge because not only are you missing out on that, on that interaction, you don't get to see the feelings. You, you're just going to be autonomous and roboticus. And what I mean by roboticus is that you may – what one may say, one may uh, copy and emulate the same message. Whereas here, you're getting me face-to-face. -face. I'm telling you what I think. Right. Whereas online, one's going to follow that, that same messenger. Right. Uh, I, I'm actually taking an online course right now with uh, the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, ASP. Uh, I'm working on my certification with them and, you know, I'm almost done. That's going to be huge for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm always, I've, I have always been a very motivated individual. You know, even one of my supervisors in grad school told me that I was one of my strengths. So whatever assignment, I took it very serious and I will motivate myself to do the best that I could. Uh, but I do understand that there's personality differences from individual to individual and some individuals might not feel like that. Uh, I think the course was good and it's a, it's the first time I, I take a full online course and that's how I know it works because it's online. But, you know, having said that, I agree with you, the, the, the connection, you know, the feelings, if somebody disagrees, if somebody has a good point and they say it, you know, over here, you have to send an email, you have to, Hey, I, you know, I, I don't agree with this. I think it was like this, or I have a similar story. This happened to me. You know, we have something to add to class. Uh, I think they both work, but you know, I would, if it was up to me, if I could have my way, Let's let's go, you know, let's go to the classroom. Not today because of the COVID, of course. I think today the best option is online. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the, 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 the schools that are going back, I think they're making a mistake. I think they should stay online, at least from here until December. And then in November, make a decision for the spring. And if there has to be no sports and no sports, don't risk it. You know, I wouldn't risk it. I wouldn't want to be the, the person that says, let's go. Let's go back to class. And then some, some people die. And, you know, no, that's kind of... You had you had a little bit of impact in that, you know. Per personally, for me, I mean, I I was a person that would uh, that would enjoy going out to the park before COVID struck. You know, when you had vipers going on, uh, when Toros was going on, and you know, I kind of had to turn to this to like continue getting uh, content out there. You know, and re yeah. recently just having a, a lot of the visual press conferences with Coach Etchberry. Um, visual press conferences with UTRGV Athletics when, when they would have some announcements to make. 
um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough, but I, I've kind of embraced this role of, of bringing out information that there is information here in the Rio Grande Valley that you're just not limited to high school sports. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, qu- quite sadly, I, I, I feel like you, you, you struck a chord earlier that there is this mentality here in the Valley that unfortunately that shell hasn't been broken. I, 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 I can't describe why, but I, I, I feel like the Valley has enshelled itself in a very high schoolic mentality. Can, can you describe that? What do you mean by a high schoolic mentality? What I mean by high school mentality you, you, you know, you watch a newscast, you get your, you, you, you get your local news, your state news, your small portion of international, you get your weather segment, and then when you reach your sports segment, that devotion of it is filled up with school sports. Same thing with the, with the local newspaper. You, you have your local news, you have your, your national news, you have your international, when you get to, uh, when you get to the sports section. Guess what? There's more majority of. You guessed it. High school sports, and that's why I, I kind of feel like there, there's that in 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 shelled, uh, there's that in shelled ceiling that. That th- that there's like almost like nothing beyond high school here when you have, a prominent Division One school in which you're, fortunate enough to teach, which I'm fortunate enough to. Uh, bring coverage of, and then you have your absolutely, in which there's two professional clubs: one soccer, one basketball, to bring uh, to bring um, to you know kind of break that shell a little bit to kind of like br- bring it out like hey, there's these other options too. You just can't stay uh, working in high school because those guys have been searching for over. 40, 50 years and trying to bring in a state championship trophy, which quite honestly, I, I don't foresee it happening soon. The Two of the sports that bring championships, state championships to the Valley is soccer and powerlifting. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. I will say this. Berglogner Arena is state-of-the-art. Uh, HEB Park is state-of-the-art. Love it. And uh, I'm going to tell you a story, and it's going back to the, the, the culture in the Valley, especially of the fans. You know, there are a lot of good fans, but in terms of the, the fans and not really committing or not really trying to, you know, well, let me go check it out. I went, it was uh, spring 2015. It was UTPA basketball back when uh, Coach Tidwell was, you know, uh, coaching the, the, the program. The women's team. And behind, was, what was that? It was a women's team. I, uh, I enjoyed Coach Tidwell. Yes, the, the women's basketball. So I went to the game. Behind me were two uh, winter, Tex- uh, winter Texans. They were from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And the gym was about 20% capacity. And, you know, T- Larry Tidwell, he created a group program, you know, you know a lot of, lot of, lot of victories. Uh, and they, they, I started to have a conversation with them, and they told me, why is the gym like this? Why is the gym empty? If this was Fort Wayne, Indiana, the gym would be packed. And it goes back to the mentality that, okay, I didn't go to the university, so I'm not going to go support it. Hey, this is still your university in the sense that it represents you. 
you know so even if it if you like basketball you can go check out women's basketball you can go check out men's basketball maybe you're not you're not a student anymore but you can still go check it out you know invest in a friday or saturday night and go check out a game we don't have that mentality here in the valley you know we we uh bird Island arena state of the art Toros, the hv park that's state of the art you know they brought the women's Concacaf canada christian sinclair broke the world record in edinburgh texas Small town USA, small town USA. The record got broken here in small town USA, Edinburgh, Texas. That's beautiful. How many fans were there to see it? You know, that's that's the thing. I think that mentality has got to change from the Valley. And I tell my students, sometimes I give them extra credit to go to the UTRGV games. And I tell them about the mentality. Like like, like that lady said, we will go support our college. Even, in, even though if I don't go to that college, but I live there, I go support my city. I, I go have an impact, have a positive impact. And we don't have that mindset here in the Valley. I think very few of us do. Uh, not that many people have that mentality where, you know, you, you go support. You, you know, you, you, you brought up a name, Christine Sinclair, you know. Uh, both the CONCACAF, uh, women's uh, CONCACAF tournaments that were down here, one of them I had the absolute privilege of doing uh, stats for a company called Opta. I'm pretty sure you've heard of them because they're all over the world, Mexico, England. You name it, they bring up some of the more in, insightful stats that uh, maybe your common researcher at a uh, four-letter company uh, misses out on. But uh, Opta is uh, a, a premier company. Well, anyhow, I got to do the, uh, the World Cup qualifying games uh, here in the Rio Grande Valley. For me, it was a privilege to do that. Uh, Absolutely. The uh, second time around for the Olympic qualifying, finally I got to cover it as a journalist, you, you know, and just just meeting Sinclair in the mix zone. It, it was such an awesome feeling get, uh, getting her uh, on her way out as they're going to bust her way back to the hotel. But I was able to get a, an interview from her towards the very end, which you could find on my YouTube channel on South Texas Border Sports uh, on YouTube. Uh, I mean, it it was awesome to see Sinclair bre uh, break the records down here, and not only that, but get get to see the uh, Concacaf uh, Champ Champions League when Motagua and Tijuana uh, made their way down here for a stormy Wednesday night and a blackout included. If you can remember such events. Yes, I, I, re I remember that game, and I remember definitely Christine Sinclair breaking the record. And, you know, that's huge. Canada is a, a world-class soccer team. Canada is a team that's been getting better, and they're good. And, you know, the, I think they're second best here in, the, in this in this region. Obviously, the United States is first. I would put Canada second. Uh, and that's an opportunity to see great soccer. And, you know, I, I, I told my students, this is an opportunity to go see world-class women's soccer. And you have Christine Sinclair. You have the Mexican national team. And, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to go, go see. And, you know, also, if, it, if it's empty, it, it kind of looks bad in the Valley because they're bringing these events. We're very fortunate to have a, a stadium that can host these type of events. And I still think in, in regards to the attendance, I think it could have been a lot better. And that I go back to the mentality in the Valley that we need to be more supportive of, of, of our own teams, of our own entities, big entities here in the Valley. Um, like I said, with UTRGV Athletics and, and obviously Toros and, and uh, Bird Ogden Arena. Man, Bird Ogden Arena is beautiful. 
And I will agree with you there. I mean, the days or the season when the Vipers ended up winning the uh, championship, uh, usually I'm, I'm an early bird. Uh, but let's just say uh, I kind of like uh, miss my timings on my schedule. Uh, let's just say I was lucky enough to have gotten my uh, a customary uh, a media spot for covering the championship games. And man, I mean, I, I tell you what, working in the packed Bird Ogden Arena area, I mean, it's it is neat. It, it is neat to see. I mean, you got you got your two levels. You got your lower level. You got your upper level. You got your power sources. Rock on, you know. Yeah, I got to attend uh, before the the COVID nineteen. I got to attend a, a game, uh, and it was it was a great game. It was a I had a blast. And you know, my girlfriend lives in Toluca, Mexico. And the first thing that crosses my mind is, whenever she's here and it's during schedule that the Vipers are playing, we gotta go catch a game. And, and I'm gonna try to get. Uh, uh, courtside seats because it was an amazing experience. You know, you're seeing these professional athletes try their best, go at it, playing basketball, very technical, very physical, mentally strong, technically smart, and it's just a great environment. And you, you look at the arena as as you're sitting there, and it's wow, it's it's, it's a beautiful environment. Yeah, I mean, I I fully agree with you. As I'm being joined by Eduardo Arambula, Eduardo, guy, I, I you, you know. Throughout all your experiences that you've, that you've been through, what's been the number one place that has left you shocked, that's left you with the most uh, positive impression of all the places that you've been? Well, the, the most, I mean, they're all very, very important. You know, mm -hmm. you know one, one day I met uh, Brett Friedel in Columbus, and I told him, what game is the most important one? And I thought he was going to say beating Mexico. But and I told him, "Was it beating Mexico?" And he's like, "No, there's there's a lot of they're very important." And now I understand why. Now I see why. You know, I've had a lot of experiences. I'm going to tell you one that was so small but very significant, and then I'm going to tell you one that was very big and that was very significant. So I'm working with uh, with a basketball player. Uh, I'm not going to mention uh, teams or names, but I'm working with a basketball player, and we're working on his um, free 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 throw percentage free shot percentage. He has a 35%, right? So we start working on several things, you know, uh, a routine, breathing, and we start to find the things that work for him. So he goes in and then he gets fouled and he gets two. Well, he makes, he does a, the whole routine, the, the things that work for him. He makes the first one. And I'm like, yes, that's already 50%. We're already beating the 35%. And then like, if he makes this one, he's never made two in a row. I mean, uh, for at least for a long time, you know, when uh, before his confidence, after his confidence drops. So he makes a second one, and that's that's a hundred percent. I know it's only two. I remember when he made the second the second one, my eyes got watery in the middle of the game, and I was like, okay, look down because I just felt very proud that I was very able to help. And, you know, the confidence that it builds in you and and in the player, and knowing that there's a lot of things that you can do to help them achieve their peak performance. It's something that, you know, as a person who loves sports, it's, you know, I, I've always wanted to be a professional soccer player. That's not going to happen. But guess what? I'm going to live my, my, my life, my dream of professional sports through sports psychology. And so I understand that was just a small event, but it was very significant. I went home. I, I drove home that day 
man, I was listening to my music. I was, I was a king, you know, I was a king. So I was, that was small, but it was very significant. Now I'm going to tell you a big one that was also very significant. So obviously the conference in Guadalajara, uh, I practiced, I practiced my opening lines. I knew my material inside and out. I got, I, I wasn't going to speak for 15 minutes on a panel of 15 minutes each person. I got my 15 minutes and I killed it. I killed it. I kid you not. I, I would never expect this. And, and you're, you know, some people might, might think I, I'm probably lying, but I'm not. And I would never expect this. You know, after I got done, when I, when I went down, some, some, a lot of people were taking, can I take a picture with you? Can I take a picture with you? Can I take a picture with you? And I was like, sure, absolutely. And I was like, what's going on? You know, I mean, I wouldn't, I would, I know I killed it, but I didn't know it was that much. And then uh, somebody actually came and asked me, he said, can you give me your autograph? And I was like, wow. I was like, sure. I didn't know what to write. I just put uh, EA, chase your dreams. <laughs> That's all I put to, I put to the person's name and I said, uh, chase your dreams. And I put EA, my initials. And that feel weird. But once again, that tells me something that I have something, something very special with me. And I can, you know, so it was very significant. But the, the major thing was that international conference with Rafa Marquez, killing it, killing my material, doing a great job, having so many sports psychologists from Brazil, from Argentina. You know, I'll tell you something. Marcelo Rofe from, from Argentina. I, I'm, I'm Mexican-American. But when you go to Latin America and you live in Texas, you're an American, okay? So he was there. We, we were on a coffee break, and he was like, Yankee, Yankee, muy bien, Yankee very good Yankee. He was calling me, he was calling me Yankee. And, you know, so, I mean, that was a huge event and obviously very significant, but along the road, the journey, I call it a journey. And I always put the journey continues along your journey. There's so many battles. There's so many things that you, that you, that you win and you lose the ones that you win, you gain instant confidence. The ones that you lose, you learn from them, but they all make you grow. As long as you keep moving forward, You'll, you'll reach your dreams and you'll accomplish your dreams. Eduardo, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I mean, hell, I mean, you just won yourself a second invitation uh, here soon. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the uh, efforts. And I wish you nothing but continuous success in, on your pathway to uh, getting your sports uh, psychology degree. Many, many thanks. Uh, I hope to see you down the line. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. You know, I've uh, known you since we started working with uh, UTRGV Athletics back in 2014. And, you know, uh, I also see what you're doing and I wish you the best in your career as well. And once again, thank you for having me. And, you know, I'll look forward to the next time I'm here. Thank you. Absolutely. You're welcome.